All right. You want right, to introduce all us? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode five of six. Ink Deals. Six, six, five, four, three, two, one. That's what we're going to talk about today. Episode six. <laughs> Nonetheless, we've been at this now for quite some time. We've amassed thousands and thousands of listeners and interested individuals. And, uh, you know, it's been a wild ride so far. And I know with everything that's going on in the world, especially in the real estate market, things are a little bit tough. A little bit. And, you know, we've talked about... sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about rates before. We're not going to spend, you know, the next 20 minutes talking about them. But we have gone back to the science lab and we've figured out a way to beat the market. <laughs> science lab. You. I know. It's pretty cool, huh? It is cool. You ever remember that Bill Nye the Science Guy? Yes. You watched that when you were like 12? Yes. Yeah. No, he's still around. Awesome. He is. He's a lunatic, but I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute lunatic. Yeah. Nonetheless, we, you know, the feds currently today is the 8th of December, 2023. Feds are putting the rates right around 7%, which is actually almost a point decrease from, I'd say, 90 to 120 days ago. Mortgage rates. So yeah. mortgage rates, correct. So we are sitting in a better market for purchasers than we were, you know, three, four months ago. So sure. With that being said, there are specific programs where we can get those rates even lower and ensure that you know a purchaser's power is greater than it was back then. So the specific program that I want to speak about is a three two one buy down and kind of go over how it works, you know, from a layman's terms perspective, how it can save you money and how it can, you know, get you into a house at a really low, you know, basic monthly payment. Yeah. So explain to our listeners out there what a three to one buy down is. <laughs> well, it's super popular right now mm-hmm. for getting into properties when you're in negotiations. Yeah. Essentially, you negotiate with the seller to give you a credit towards these buy downs. Yeah. And three two one is one of the, the better ones for the buyer where you're getting essentially a lower rate by three percent for the first year, two percent for the second year, one percent for the third year, and then you're back to your market rate of your mortgage on that fourth year whoa so what you're saying is if i get into a house at a seven percent interest rate and i'm able to utilize this program that very first year of homeownerships i'm going to be at a four percent interest rate that's what i'm telling you whoa whoa indeed my mind you want to hear something else cool with it i would love to all right this is a little secret okay kind of (laughs) (laughs) so the concession that the borrower gives you Okay. How these programs work is well. What is a concession for those of us who don't know? Concession would be. I mean, you're the you're the realtor. Maybe you should explain. But a concession is essentially the borrower uh, when you're negotiating, giving you some sort of funds towards your closing costs or what have you, whatever. Got it. Guys, work okay. out what they're going to be used for. But on these three two one or two one buy down programs, they're put into kind of like an escrow account, okay. if you will. And what they're doing is they're paying your interest for you for those years. Wow. So okay. when you're paying that 4%, that escrow account's actually yeah. paying the difference. So that that's where the concession's sense. going. Okay. If you refinance during that period of time where you're still in the buy-down period, okay. the person that bought that property gets that money. Yeah. So it's essentially sitting in an escrow account. It's used for that buy-down. But say you refinance in the second year of that three, two, one. Yeah. And you get a lower rate or what have you, you're able to fix your rate at 5% or something. You get whatever's left over. So it's almost like a kickback that goes back to them again. Kind of like it's, it's the concession. So you actually get it in cash form instead of towards your interest. 
That's an interesting concept because I know a lot of people are so fixated on the fact, well, you know, I'll buy a house at a higher interest rate now and then when rates drop, I'll refinance and then my payment will go down, et cetera. Well, imagine starting off with an extremely low rate and then literally, let's say, six months to 12 months into that first year, rates actually do drop to that really low rate and then you just refinance and you're just off to the races for 30 years at that low rate. You just fix your rate at, say, whatever it is in a year from now and then you get all that money that's left over that you yeah. didn't use on your buy down program. Yeah. I mean, I think so it's a win-win for the buyer. Yeah. And then the seller gets the money back and then they feel like they won. And then the buyer feels like they won. And so both sides are just extremely happy about the product. <laughs> that's the goal, right? Yeah. That's the goal. So there's three, two, one buy downs and there are other, are there other variations as well? Or is that the only type? No, there's a uh, two, one buy downs, one, zero buy downs. Okay. So the amount of percentage for that first year is the three, the two or yeah. the one. So, yeah, different amounts, different concessions from the seller, uh-huh. and you can utilize, you know, any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know when you're a real estate agent and, you know, you're going to a seller and you're trying to get this program, sometimes it's a little bit tricky. You've got to pitch it to them in a way where, you know, what you just said to piggyback off of it, it makes total sense. You're like, well, hey, you know, we'll refinance the, you know, property six months into this and then whatever is left in that, you know, concessions amount in escrow is going to come back to you. So it's one way to pitch it. And I know in the past when I've utilized it and I've had, you know, other agents and friends utilize it, you more or less want to offer them full price. And then in escrow, whatever their proceeds are. So let's say they walk away with $100,000 after the loan is paid, et cetera, et cetera. You ask for some of those concessions back and they stay in escrow, like you said, and that's where you get that rate buy down. But you have to make sure that you explain to them there's a very good likelihood you can get some of this money back so they don't feel like they're completely losing. They're only getting, let's say, 80000 because they're giving 20000 in concessions. So it's really, really important when you're pitching it that you explain that to them because then they're going to feel like they won. And so it makes the whole situation easier. Gotcha. So what, what other ways from more of a negotiation standpoint do you see people using besides the buy down programs, concessions, like what other ways can buyers win deals? I mean, especially in, you know, we're in a super competitive market in Southern California. So, I mean, it's a great question and a lot of it has to go back to, you know, one of our previous episodes where we talked about the difference between a really high offer and then a really strong offer. Yeah. So, you know, you need to be very diligent, if you will, in how you structure that offer, right? So the first thing you want to do is you want to, you know, create a great friendship, a great partnership, you know, get to know the agent who's representing the sellers and basically, you know, woo them, if you will. Hey, my client's great. You know, he's a Fortune 500 guy. He's, uh, you know, into cars. I see you drive a nice car or whatever. And, And you want to sell and paint a picture of who your client is, right? Because, a lot of the time, these sellers, you know, these houses are like their pride and joy, right? It's right. their largest financial asset they've ever purchased. It's where they've raised their kids. It's where they've raised their dog. It's where, you know, I don't know, they lost their virginity, whatever craziness <laughs> you can think of, right? Yeah, yeah. So it has sentimental meaning For and sure. value, right? Yeah. So the last thing you want to do is either intimidate them with some sort of, you know, real quick closing and, you know, tell them if you don't take our offer, we're going to put an expiration on it and you're not going to get it and this, that, and the other. In certain markets, aggressiveness likes that, it like that works, right? But you'd say like building a relationship with the listing agent will get you further than kind of the the hard-handed. Beating them over the head with a hammer is not going to get it done, (laughs) right? 
It will in certain markets though. If it is a buyer's market and we have a substantial surplus of property, meaning there's a lot of homes for sale on the market, right? Then we can pick and choose. You know, I've been in multiple situations where, you know, I'm representing a purchaser or a buyer and it's like they like two or three homes. And I'm like, all right, well, let's write offers on all three. And then we get all three into escrow and they're like, oh shit, I have to buy all three. I'm like, no, man. Like now the ball is in our court, right? Like it's a good feeling. So now we can go back to these other individuals and say, you know, I don't really like the property as much. You know, we had a few offers out and all this is legal, by the way. We had a few offers out and the other one got accepted. So unless you're willing to reduce your price, then, you know, we're probably going to go with, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. And so those conversations are a little bit less heated, but you've got to be in a very particular market for that to happen because you're going to really piss people off, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's here not happening yet. Maybe. Not exactly. And I know we had some situations, I'd say, during COVID when rates were like 35 to 3.8%, like in 2001, beginning of 2000, or 2022, where investors were coming in with large sums of money and they were literally writing like 15 to 20 offers on houses and getting them all into escrow because it was all, all cash, five-day close, no contingencies, yeah, yeah. canceling 19 of those. <laughs> And it and what happened was anyone who's selling drive house, agents nuts. Well, anyone who was selling a house, including myself, whenever I got an offer from an LLC, an S corporation, whatever, I immediately was on the defense, and I'd be like, "Hey guys, this is going around in the industry. These guys are just trying to buy up as much as they can, but then cancel as much as they can just to try to get a you know leverage. Yeah. They're basically trying to use leverage. They're just trying to grind somebody down to get them the best deal, and then yeah. they're putting their cash there. And it 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 can backfire, you know. So to kind of pull this all back in. When you're structuring an offer for a buyer, you really have to understand what market you're in. Are you in a seller's market or are you in a buyer's market? Once you understand those simple fundamentals, the rest is about building the rapport and the relationship and understanding what that seller's client needs. Because as much as it's your fiduciary duty to represent your client as the buyer, you still are representing both sides and working with both sides. So you need to make sure you work hand in hand with both sides. Yeah. You want to leave a good impression on both parties, right? You don't want to spoil, you know, a future relationship with either another agent or the sellers. So yeah, yeah, you want to protect your reputation and, you know, everyone else's happiness and you do with the process. And you do see and work with a lot of these agents again. So you'll hear about them or you'll see them or your client will want to buy one of their houses that they have or vice versa. So you don't put your foot in your mouth on the first deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, so, you know, you do what you can, but yeah, a lot of structuring, a lot of talking, a lot of friends, a lot of handholding, a lot of happy hours, stuff like that. That gets it done. (laughs) (laughs) The stuff you're good at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to get out there, man. Just throw your name out there, you know, schmooze, put on a nice sport coat, whatever you want to do, you know? And just is that a shot? Babies. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's that. I mean, when you're a listing agent, uh, you know things are a little bit different because when you do that, you more or less kind of have some of the cards in your hand as opposed to a buyer's agent. So you're right. able to, you know, throw a bunch of properties on the market, and basically your phone's going to start ringing, right? And at that point, you're going to want you know agents like showing agents working for you that'll basically show the property if a buyer calls you or if you know you do an open house or something like that. Yeah. But that's you know another episode we can talk about scaling a team and getting to you know a larger array. So it's an interesting concept, man. But 
for lending, you know, you guys pretty much just work with purchasers. So you don't, I have had a lot of circumstances though, where I do have the lender on my deals, call the listing agent or seller's agent and basically sweet talk the yeah. client. I mean, do you see that a lot and how does that yeah, work yeah. for you? I mean, cause those listing agents, they want to know that the offer is solid. Mm-hmm. The buyers are solid. So yeah, you come and you get your pre-approval letter. We go over finances and kind of send you on your way. Mm-hmm. But like you said, to kind of build that relationship, to build trust, to build, you know, paint the picture. Yeah. It definitely helps to reach out to the listing agent. If, you know, you want to communicate with the seller's agent as well and say, hey, would it help if I reached out and, you know, just affirmed everything on their yeah. prequal and answered any questions that the listing agent may have? Just okay. to make sure that they know that these guys are solid, you know, underwriters seen it, yeah. it's, their income checks out, what have you. Double checking it, yeah. And it yeah. basically, it's another way to just kind of put the icing on the cake yeah. and make your client more rock solid Yeah, and make sure that, you know, they're not going to fall apart or they're going to cancel escrow a day later or whatever the heck it is. So, I mean, it works, right? Yeah. So one thing I have to ask is these programs, these three, two, one, these two ones, these one O's, how is a qualification process more difficult? Because no. obviously it sounds like this is a home run for anyone looking to buy a house. hundred percent. I think, especially in the market we're in now where it's not quite as competitive mm-hmm. as it was just because there's less buyers. There's still not a ton yeah. of sellers, but there's less buyers at these interest rates, just how it is. Yeah. Um, so they are becoming more popular qualifying for them is just the same as you would be qualifying if you weren't using the program. Got it. Um, So it really doesn't fall on the borrower or the buyer qualifying for these programs. It's more on the seller if they're going to, you know, in negotiations, give you a concession to fund these. Yeah. I mean, you could figure out other ways, but you want to get it from the seller and have them fund those, those buy down programs. So it's more or less, there's no secret. It's just being educated on these programs and then essentially they're available. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. knowing they're usually, yeah. Exactly. I exactly. mean, it's, it, yeah. So, well, let me ask you this. If the concessions dry up and the rates don't drop and you get to the end of that, let's say we're near the three, two, one. So you get to the end of that third year and you're like, oh shit, you know, rates are 8%. They went up something catastrophic. It's still happened. been, yeah. The seller, basically, that's just the cost of doing business. They can't come back and try to say, well, hey, I want part of my concessions back or this, that. No, or no, no. So, yeah, essentially what would happen is say you lock in at 7%, mm-hmm. right? But you're using the 3-2-1. So you get the 4, the 5, the 6, and then you're back to 7. And it's yeah. fixed for the next 27 years. So if rates go up from here, which doubtful, but say they do go up and you're in 8 and 9%, so you're, yeah. you're fine because you're protected with your 7 yeah, that yeah. you had originally was the market rate back when you had started the program. So it's like you're still on your fixed loan. So it's not an adjustable rate mortgage by any means in that regard. Yeah. Like that it's not going to adjust later on. Cause I know when you're kind of pitching that to a seller, that's where you got to be careful. Cause you can't, one thing in real estate and I'm sure it, you know, comes in line with lending as well is when you promise your client something and you tell them something like, Hey, you know, I think I can get you this much for your house. The only thing they're going to hear is that number. They're yeah. going to hear nothing <laughs> else. Or if you're a lender and you tell them, Hey, I, I think I can get you this interest rate. It's the only thing they're going to hear. Not if they can qualify, not if they have enough income, just that interest rate, right? Yeah. It's all clients think. That's about. why you don't <laughs> word it that way. Yeah. So that's, you <laughs> Until know, you have a little bit more information. Yeah. That's where I'm going with this statement. I mean, when you're 
pitching these three two one buy downs and you're telling the seller, well, hey, there's a possibility that you can get the concessions back if rates, you know, drop within the first year, you've got to be very, very careful in how you say that yeah. and phrase it. Typically those will go to the to the buyer once they're a concession. Exactly. And yeah. you need to make sure that you you know, you're understanding with the seller that you may or may not get some of this money back. Yeah. And if history repeats itself and things go the way, generally once rates get pretty low, they're not going to get a whole lot lower. Yeah. You know, we're That's not going to see COVID stuff again. Right. So. And, and in that regard, what we've seen too is, as you can probably attest to, is to get those concessions, Yeah, the sellers are moving the purchase price up or, or keeping it the same if, sense. if originally the buyers were coming in lower. So yeah. say they're coming in 20 grand under what that listing price is and there's something where they're not budgeting. Like, okay, well, we'll come up in price, but you give us this concession. Yeah. So that the seller's still getting... That makes sense. That selling price that, that makes want. sense. Yeah. And I think another big key takeaway here, you know, again, hate harping on rates because it's like it's all we ever talk about, it's all anyone ever talks about, right? Right now, yeah. Is, you know, what happens when these rates start to go up is you get less buyers in the market, right? And then home prices start to go down or they start to do what they call price corrections, which is the BS way of just saying, hey, we reduced our price because we can't sell it, right? Yep. And when I tell a lot of my clients is, well, that's great, man. But once rates drop from what they are seven now to like six or five, you're going to get a flood of buyers, which is going to inflate the price of houses. Yeah. So a million dollar home that you were going to buy at 800,000 at 7% is the same interest rate at now, you know, a million at a 5% interest rate. It's literally apples to apples. I think people just, COVID really messed everything up. You know, really did. I was getting yeah. houses then in like 3.8, 3.6%. And people, I mean, our parents were buying stuff 15%, yeah. 20% yeah. back in the 80s. So yeah. it's like a 7% interest rate when they were getting stuff for 15% is amazingly smoking good. Yeah. But then again, that was a $200,000 house. So, so we have a huge population of people, myself included, that are spoiled with 2%. Yeah. And that's just, if you think about it, for sale. not a realistic interest rate on a house. So I think, you know, unless something major happens in the economy, like that's an anomaly because of COVID and everything that was going on. Like we're not going to see 2% interest rates again. I think we're realizing the economic choices and things that got us there. Like, Oh shit. And that's where we went from two to eight within, you know, a two year period. What's my what's my boy McConaughey say in Wolf of Wall Street? It's Fagazi, it's Fagazi. It doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so you know, I think wrapping your head around realistic expectations is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, and, and good agents, good lenders, people who have been in this industry for a while like ourselves. We're very good at educating our clients on what the realistic expectations of the market are. Right. And if they think or call or say that's bullshit, you're not realistically ready to buy or get a loan or sell or anything to that matter because you're not paying attention to what's going on. 100%. Or you're, da, 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 you, don't, you don't know <laughs> what you're thinking. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. you know, we'll kind of wrap it up with that. You just need to be very cognizant and you need to surround yourself with, with, with professionals and individuals that know what they're talking about. You know, yeah. and these and- programs are saviors. They're saviors. You know, the government's put them in play. Lenders have been able to utilize them, and it, it saves your ass so you can buy a house. I mean, how else do you pitch can. it? Yeah. Yeah, it makes it at least somewhat more affordable for the first few yeah. years. And interest rates, 
more than likely will go down in the future. Yeah. I think is what, you know, 99% of people are saying. There's some people out there that really think they're going down. But over time, they're going to come down at least a little bit in the future. Um, So those are pretty safe programs in the big scheme of things. And in areas like Southern California where prices, even if there is a housing crash, we're not going to see, you know, Home values are half, rising. Half off houses anytime soon half down off. here. <laughs> so, yeah, around here, I mean, they're they're definitely a blessing for buyers. <laughs> what is this, Monopoly? <laughs> Jesus. I, I think, you know, it's, it's home prices were even going up and equity was rising even in 2008, you know, when we had a huge collapse. And, and I've said this many, many times. It was a great time to buy. Many, many millionaires were made right then. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we, the economy is literally a clap, uh, collapsing and people were becoming millionaires. If that doesn't tell you how strong our market is, yeah, our housing market, I don't, don't listen to this podcast because you don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about or wanting to learn. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah, so you really just have to, to digest and understand, you know, the foundation and what real estate is and, and, and how you can just continue to get wealth from it, yeah. you know? So. Especially in our market. Yeah. Machine. That's all I got, man. I what think, do you that, think that wraps it up pretty nicely. I think we made an impression on someone today. I hope so. Oh, God, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. And good night. <laughs> I like that one.